The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Today's title is this, Working on His Return. God is at work working on the return of Jesus. He's coming. Let me ask you a question. Do you like holidays? <laughs> that didn't say that. Look, sometimes I ask for responses and it goes very quiet. That was an immediate response. We like holidays? Yes, we like holidays. I like holidays. Do you know what? I'm one of those sort of strange people. Actually, I like the few hours before the holiday starts. That's like peak enjoyment. Because you think like, for the next week or two weeks, I've got holiday. It's all out there. And that moment... Everything lies ahead of you. And so for me, that's that wonderful point. You know what, holiday? Halfway through, you begin to think like, oh, do I feel relaxed? Do I not feel relaxed? End of a holiday, you're thinking like, ugh. And then when it comes to repacking your bags, I should say. You know, packing the bags, it's everything's put in. Have I got this? Have I got that? Things are rolled up. Every space is found. Is it too heavy if you're going abroad or whatever? You're doing all that. On the way home, Dump it back in. It doesn't really matter. It's all got to be washed or whatever. It just gets shoved in. The case gets sat on because it's a bit fat. It's not well organized. And there's that moment of return. And in one sense, it's not too bad because you feel a bit more rested. But it's not quite as glorious as that moment of just going away. And if you're like my son, Henry, at that point, you text or something. Dad, can you come pick me up from the airport? Can you come and collect me? And if you're a father like me, you think who's soft-hearted, really. You say, like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'll come, I'll come. And so you suddenly find yourself, uh, you know, what time was that? 11 o'clock at night? And then you think, like, oh, no, not quite so good, or, you know, 6 in the morning or whatever, it's, you know, those sort of things. That doesn't go down quite as well. But you go, and, of course, uh, I don't mind going to pick him up because it's good to see somebody when they've been away, to have them come back again and to be with them and to rejoice and hear all the stories that's been going on. That's holidays. Listen, Jesus, he's not on holiday. He has gone away to prepare a place for us, but he's coming back again to take us to be where he is. Now, you know what? We forget about that. I know that we know about it in the Christian faith. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus is coming again. But there's not something that we really think about very much. Jesus is coming back again. John 14, verses 2 and 3, he said to his disciples this, In my Father's house, there is only one room. No, he didn't say that. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. He's got a mansion that is ready for all of us. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. He's going there to prepare a place for you. And he goes on to say, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus is coming back to take us to be where he is. Uh, Folks, it's a far more glorious place than here. 
You know what? We like to hold on to life here because life has its attachments, its relationships. There's stuff going on. You're in the middle of something. haven't quite finished a project. You've got other things to do. But when Jesus comes, he's going to take us to a place that is far better than this. No more sin. No more suffering. No more pain. No more lying. No more cheating. No more half-truths. Everything is pure and glorious. And he's taking us to be with him in that place. And it's something that we should be excited about. The Bible tells us this. He's coming back, in case we were asking, he's coming back in the same way that he went. Well, how did he go? Well, we find that out in Acts, because these disciples were with him, and Jesus rises up into heaven. And Acts first, uh, chapter 1, 10 and 11 says, They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. This is the disciples. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. He went up. When he comes back, he's coming down. He's coming back down to earth. The same way as he went is the same way as he is going to return. When? When is this going to happen? Get our diaries out and we'll just check it. Matthew 24, verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. When's it going to happen? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know the time. We don't know the hour. We don't know the day. We don't know, but we do know that he's coming back. So there's knowledge that it's happening, but not knowledge of when it is actually going to happen. And what will that moment, that moment of his arrival, what will it look like? What will happen at that moment? Again, in Matthew 24, verse 30 and 31, it says this. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from, from one end of the heavens to the other. Jesus is coming back, and we are all going to know about it. Now, when he went, it was his disciples. They were standing there on the Mount of Olives with Jesus. Whoop, Jesus goes up. They're looking around, where is he, where is he? The angels come and say to them, guys, he's gone, you know, don't worry about it. Just calm down, he's coming back the same way. That was then. But when he comes back, the whole of the world is going to know about it. He's coming back in the same way from heaven to earth, but you are going to hear something. So one day, there is going to be the sound of a trumpet, and it's everybody is going to hear the sound of this trumpet. And the glory of the return of Jesus Christ is going to happen. Every eye will see it. Exactly what it's going to be like, I can't declare to you. But I see in Scripture that it is going to be audible and it is going to be visible to everyone. We're going to know that he has come back. And it's going to be that sense of, wow. There's going to be, the word awe doesn't really come into it because it's even more than that. Because there's a sense of awe as in like, wow. There's a sense of terror as in like, now Jesus has come. 
Because many people right now are saying, like Jesus, I don't even believe in him. God, there's no such thing. So there's almost doubters and those people who don't know. They're suddenly going to be like, oh my goodness. The truth of this has now come to pass. And therefore, there's going to be that sense of, <gasps> as well as that sense of, ah. Oh. There's going to be a lot of noise that's going on at that moment. He is coming. But until that day, God is at work preparing things for that day to come to pass. You know, this is what we think, oh, is God at work? Is he doing anything? Yes, he is. He is not sitting back with his feet up. He's actively working across the nations of the world and working in the lives of believers so that that day may be made ready and everything that is required for that day may come to pass. He is coming. Now with the knowledge, and that by the way was my first point, here comes my second point. With the fact that we know that he is coming, we therefore need to be ready. And this is something that the Bible says to us. Are we ready for his return? Now, just reflecting back on Henry coming back to Gatwick Airport, which happened just recently, that comes because there's a phone call and there's an arrangement, there's text messages, this is the time I'm coming in, this is my flight. You know the hour, you know where he's coming to, you know the day, and so therefore there's a sense in which it's quite easy to get oneself organized. You put it in your diary, okay, I know, I've got to be at this Gatwick at this time, ready to meet this flight, that's easy. You know when he's returning, but with Jesus... We've already said, nobody knows. So how can we get ready if you don't know? How can I get prepared if I don't know? You know, I know he's coming at some stage, but how am I supposed to be get ready? And yet the Bible tells us that we are to keep watch and we are to be ready. There's something that it says that we've got to prepare ourselves for this. Not just sit back and say, like, well, I don't know when it's going to happen, so whew, let's forget about that. There has to be a preparation in our hearts, and that is what the Bible is calling us to. So again, going back to Matthew 24, which incidentally is a chapter where Jesus does a lot of talk about the end times. Matthew 24, verses 38 to 44. He says this, For in the days before the flood, referring back to the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So there's going to be a sense in which life is carrying on. People getting married, people going out for dinner, people having birthday parties, people having celebrations, people moving house. Start all that normal life, changing jobs, catching the bus, going to work, what we would just call everyday life, that is happening. Just as it was in the day of Noah. In the day of Noah, people were going about everyday life of those times. They were going out into the desert. They were going back from the desert. They were meeting at each other's houses. They were having dinner. Life was carrying on as we would understand normal life is carrying on. But you see, what he's trying to say is just in those days, they weren't expecting the flood. They weren't expecting, okay, there's this crazy guy down the road who's building this funny object called an ark, and he's got animals going in and out. I don't know what's going on with him. That's going on. But otherwise, there's no knowledge about what's going to happen. And Jesus is telling us that, look, as in those days, picture that scene. Picture the understanding. Wow, I don't know what's going on with that crazy guy, Noah. I, you know, that's what they were going through. And suddenly it happened. Suddenly, the flood came. Suddenly, Jesus is coming back. So as in the days of Noah, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other will left. <coughs> Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. He is going to come at an hour when you do not expect him. There's going to be surprise for us. He's coming at a time when we don't expect him. That's surprise. We're allowed to be surprised. We're not allowed to be shocked. Shock is like, I never knew that was going to happen. I wasn't expecting that. That's shock. Surprise is, I didn't know you were coming at this moment. We're allowed to be surprised, but we're not supposed to be shocked because we are supposed to be made ready and we're supposed to be preparing ourselves. Listen, tonight a burglar's coming to your house. It's not a prophetic word. Okay? Just imagine, what would you do? I'm up all night. There was a time when we were on holiday in, in Corfu, I think it was, many years ago. There was a forest fire. And this forest fire was burning on the hills near to where we were, and it was approaching. And you know, as you read about these forest fires, we read about them in the press, suddenly it's happening. And you could see the fire moving across this hilltop, setting fire to trees, and this was bedtime. So we're, we're concerned. Helen and I were very concerned. Send the children to bed. Yes, we packed our bags. We packed our bags. We made ready. We were up most of the night. Why? Because we had fear. Was this coming to us? Did we need to get out? Have we got to suddenly put our bags and the children in the car, get away from there because of the fire? We didn't know, but we made ourselves ready. If you knew a burglar was coming to your house tonight, <laughs> let me just get out, you know, the cricket bat or whatever. Let me just get prepared. Let me put the chains on the doors. Let me put the lights on. What do you do? You prepare because he ain't coming in here because I'm here and I'm going to shoo him away. Shoo. Go away. <laughs> Most powerful thing. Maybe I'd swing the cricket bat as well. Uh, you know what I mean? You would be ready. You'd be ready. That's what we're being told. That sort of mindset, that sort of preparation. You know it's happening. Oh, yeah, but it'll happen someday. Listen, it's going to come at a moment when you don't know. And therefore, we've got to be ready. So there's a preparation that needs to happen in our hearts. And as that scripture is being read, or as I read it to you, the inference in the scripture is this, that we are going to be rather preoccupied with life. And therefore, we might not be ready. So the instruction to us is, be ready. Be prepared. Think about it. Purpose yourself. Get ready. Put your shoes out so you can jump into them just like that. No, it doesn't say that, but... Never mind. Now, let me ask you a question, though. Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, it's much safer if I ask the question myself, and to be honest with you, I don't know. What does it mean to be ready? It means to prepare our hearts. Certainly, I think it means to have a mindset that we're starting to think about this, not just ignore it. That will happen someday. Oh, somebody made a promise. They never kept it. I'll forget about it. And so it just gets washed away. No, no, no. This needs to be brought into our mind. Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. And I, therefore, need to be ready for his return. Does that mean that my life needs to make any changes? 
Well, you see, well, if, it, if the answer to that is, well, maybe yes, do I want to be found like this if Jesus is coming? Well, maybe there's a bigger preparation that is essential for us. Hang on a second. I need to get my life in order. I need to get myself ready. It's crazy to think about it, but the return of Jesus is of major importance, and we mustn't ignore it. Although, because it seems like, is it ever going to happen? It tends to slip away from our minds. We need to make our preparations, and to get ready for him. As I said earlier, we can be surprised. Wow, he's come. But we should not be shocked because we know that he is coming again. The Bible, though, tells us not just to be prepared, but the Bible tells us that there will be signs that this return is becoming imminent. So that's helpful to us. So it's not like, oh, I don't know when they're going to come. You know, like you've been somebody, uh, invited somebody over for dinner and you sort of suggested a time and now it's now quarter past beyond that time. And you're thinking, like, what time did I say? Did you say this? And, and there's that discussion. Did we get it right? Did we communicate right? There's all that confusion about it. We know Jesus is coming back. We just don't know what time he's coming back. But we want to make ourselves ready. But Jesus has said, or the Bible tells us, there will be signs to indicate that he's coming. Oh, I think I saw their car just coming around the corner. They're on their way. You see something, there's a sign. There are signs. What are these signs that will help us understand? Oh, that's it. That will help us understand of his return being imminent. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 4. It says this, but mark this. Paul was writing to Timothy, so he says, Timothy, I want you to pay attention to this so you have this understanding. Because this is a sign of the fact that Jesus is coming. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's a sign in the last days, that's what it will be like. Hello? Do you notice any of those things in our society today? Are those things increasing? Hello? What is that telling us? Be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready, be prepared. Why? Because what we see... You know, it's not like there will be a flag with the Jewish... Um, the Jewish flag will be flown over Big Ben... When it's about to happen. That's not the sign. The sign is what are you going to see in society? What activity? What are you going to see in people? What is going to happen around you? When you see these things, tell yourself, oh my goodness, the last days are here. That is what it is saying to us. There are signs that are being given to us to declare the imminency of what is going to happen. And therefore, these signs are around us, and it's time for us to be awakened and to say, whoa, hang on a second. I've got to get myself ready because Jesus, praise God that Jesus is coming back. Praise God that he's going to take us to be with himself. Praise God that you don't have to hear about Brexit in heaven or anything like that. Praise God that he is going to deliver us from every oppression, sickness, and hurt, and pain, and suffering that is coming against us. Praise God for that. We hate the separation that some things bring to us, but the joy of reunion will be magnificent. The joy of being together in that place 
will be magnificent. There will be no embarrassment. Oh, I feel awkward. Don't quite know what to say to that person. I haven't seen them for so long. Last time I spoke, it was a bit difficult. None of that. None of that. Your heart will be melted because the joy at seeing the people who are in heaven with you. It is a magnificent, glorious place that we need to long for because that's where our hearts are destined to go. Jesus said, I want you to be with me. I am going to prepare a place for you. But the thing is, the signs around us are indicating that that return is coming closer and closer to us. Another sign, Matthew 24, 14, it says this, and this gospel, and this good news of salvation, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, I don't know what you think about that. Has the gospel gone to every nation? We know now, more so than at any other time in all of history, how quickly a message can be given in one place and reach the four corners of the world like that. Our news has a different dimension about it because we hear instantly the things that have happened. There was a terrible situation, for instance, in Pakistan this week. A train, and suddenly the, 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 cooker, or the cooker blew up and this train is set on fire. An awful situation. And you know how those trains are packed in those countries? We read about it in our news virtually as soon as it's happened because it's news and it goes round the earth like that. Now, we hear about bad things, but the gospel can be spread and is being spread and is being declared to every nation. And how much more able that is because of the social media and the things that are there to be able to do that. This gospel will be proclaimed to every nation and as a testimony to all nations, and then, and then, the end will come. And then the end will come. We see these signs around us. So there's no reason for us not to be anything else than getting ourselves ready because of what we see around us. Jesus is coming. We need to be ready. And my third and final point this morning is this. <coughs> Get prepared. Well, that's strange to say get prepared when we've just declared get ready. There's something about getting ourselves ready. Are we ready for this event? But in the fact that we begin to understand that we are ready, part of that readiness is shown in that we are preparing things around us and that we are working alongside God in his purposes to make sure that everything is ready Everything is prepared for his return. Whilst God is actively working for that day, as we wait expectantly for that day to come, then there is work also for us to be about. And that's what I mean by being prepared. The Bible says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then... <coughs> the end will come. So you can see where I'm going with this. There is a responsibility that we have to declare the gospel. But before I say this, I did say that in Matthew 24, Jesus talks a lot about end times. He talks a lot about the things that are yet to happen. But when you go to that passage, it's not the easiest of passages to understand. 
And I liken it like this. It's like that Jesus is, and these are actually bifocal lenses. So in other words, I can see distance, or I have a distance part to it, and for short reading. I can read with them, I can see distance. My eyesight becomes better and clearer because I've got these bifocals. It's like Jesus is taking you with this passage to a pair of bifocals. You're looking at not only things that are quite near, because in that passage he's talking about the destruction of the temple, and he's talking to the disciples. You see these stones? See this temple here? I tell you, not m- many of these stones, they're all going to be thrown down, everything's going to be cast aside. Well, when's that going to happen? So there's a context of when's this going to happen, being told to the disciples. But he's talking about things that have happened, and it was fulfilled. In AD 70, the Romans came, destroyed the temple, as Jesus said, and many of the things in Matthew 24 happened exactly as was spoken by Jesus. But as I said, it's like bifocals. He's not only looking at that situation of the destruction of the temple, he's looking beyond that as well into the future of when he comes again. And you've got this dualistic thing. So I have to say to you, it's not the easiest of chapters in the Bible to get your head around. But there's a lot of truth there, and it stirs us. And obviously, the truth that is stirring with us, we need to make ready. We need to be prepared. We need to get ready, because Jesus is coming back again for us. He's coming back again for us, and he has a work that he has commissioned for us to do in the meantime. We know it. Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Jesus has told us to go out there and make preparations in the nations for his return. It's something that he is asking us to be prepared about. The good news of salvation must be told to every nation. But we've already been told there is a challenge to us doing that. And the challenge is this, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. That's what it says in Matthew 24 verse 12. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. What do we mean by the love of many? The love of the fact of Jesus even. Is he coming back? He's been ages. 2,000 years and longer. For goodness sake, when's he going to come back? Is he ever coming back? I might as well just get on with life. See, our hearts can become hardened. Our hearts can lose their love, their affection, their desire. I'm longing to be with you. I want you. I want to be where you are. There's a a work that we have to do, but we have to conquer that numbness, that apathy, that indifference, That is all around us. That fact of sin increasing around us. And the result of sin increasing around us affects us. Let's not pretend we're immune from it. We live in a society that this is happening. And our world, our world a lot of the time is out there amongst the people. And they are affected by this increase of wickedness. And therefore it has its effect on us. Because the love, it says, of many will grow cold. So whilst we know what is going to happen... Jesus is coming back. Our desire to get prepared for it becomes less. Oh, well, it'll happen sometime. Maybe not this week. Now, has the, I mean, has the gospel been preached to every nation right now? Let's hope not. Uh, so we put our feet up. There's a sense in which we want to make excuses and put our feet up and push it back. But let's remind ourselves of why this work of being prepared is so important. Matthew 25 now. We've moved on to the next chapter. 
Matthew 25, verse 31 to 34. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And if we jump down to verse 41, he then says this, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Look, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a separation. Not everyone is going to heaven. And the Bible talks of this language of sheep and goats. And it uses this language to describe those who have received salvation in Jesus, who are walking in his ways. They are described as being sheep. And they will be put to one side so that they can go to heaven. And those who are not saved, those who have not received Jesus, those who are still resisting him and are therefore described as enemies of God are being classed as goats and they will be put on the left side. But let me remind you about this. God's heart is that there should be no goats. Do you hear me? Because there's one point it's saying like, what? There's the awesomeness of this separation. But hang on, God, what do you think about that? God says this, I don't want there to be any goats. I only want to come back for sheep. Matthew, uh, sorry, Peter, 2 Peter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, but everyone to come through to repentance. You see the heart of the Father. We talk about God being at work. He's at work on this. He's at work on this because he doesn't want anybody to be classed as a goat. He doesn't want to have to have anybody on the left-hand side. He doesn't want to have to send anybody to that place of judgment. He wants there to be sheep, sheep, sheep that are being called into his kingdom. Because that Those are the people that he created. They are the ones that he sent his son to die for, and he wants them to be redeemed. But we don't see that at the moment. We see a world where there is an increase of wickedness. We see a world where there is an increase in the lack of love of God. There's a hardening of heart. There's a separation. And we see confusion and difficulty with this. And we ourselves feel that burden, even to the point where we understand why Paul said, I'd love to go to be with Jesus. But it is far better for you that I stay here. Talking to the Philippians. Because you see, he's saying like, wow, the glory of heaven, just getting away from the brokenness of mankind and being in the presence of God, there's, it's a, no, a no-brainer. We're going to go for that every time. But hang on a second, you can suddenly think, whoa, what about that separation? Do I know anybody that could possibly be considered to be a goat at this point? Hang on a second. And you see, now you suddenly come to this strange place of where one moment you're hoping that the kingdom of heaven and the return of Jesus is coming right now because let's get away from here to a place where you're suddenly saying, please, don't come today. 
Because there's people that I know of who I don't want to be put amongst the goats. I want them to know the salvation that God has brought to me. And there comes a, a, something that touches our hearts. And our hearts need to be touched because we need to be motivated. You see, he is coming again. And we need to be ready. We need to be ready. But we also need to be prepared. And that preparation is maybe for us, as we just think about these things again, that preparation might be to go back home and start saying, Lord, I am lifting before you my husband, my brother, my aunt, my uncle, my colleague, my friend, the lady across the road, the man down the street, the person at the bus stop, whoever it is that we are aware of in our hearts that doesn't yet know you, I'm lifting them up before you and I'm praying again. Let me just talk a little bit about this thing again. There's a guy who's not here this morning. He sometimes pops in to see me during the week. He comes in for a little bit of this because he has all sorts of problems, all sorts of addictions. But I've noticed what he does. He keeps on, 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 he keeps on asking you, asking you. I've got no money for this, I've got no money for this. How am I going to survive? I've got nothing for this. Until in the end you get some money, get out of here. In love, obviously. That is a technique that many people who are on the streets use because they need to survive. Listen to me. It's a technique that we need to take back to God, which he has already told us to bring to him. Will you please keep knocking? Will you wear me out? There gets a point when God says, for goodness sake, I've heard that prayer so many times. This is driving me around. He doesn't quite say that, but you get the idea. I've heard what you said. Let me action that. We want to make sure... That he, yes, okay, I can hear. And he responds. The trouble is sometimes I, I just get, oh, I haven't got the energy to keep going. So I back off. We have a merciful God who does not want anybody to perish, but everyone to be saved. But there's a task for us in that we need to be prepared, not just ready for his return so that we're not shocked. We may be surprised, but we're not shocked. But we are prepared because we are preparing the ground. I will pray for my brothers and my sisters, my husband, my aunt, my uncle, whoever it may be. I will pray for them so that they may be saved, so that they can be set free. I will pray and help that they may be made awakened and alert. I will pray that people will come to know Jesus and will give their lives to him. And not only praying for people, but I will make myself ready so that I know how to share the gospel. And I know it's not just about sharing the gospel. I know how to help to lead people into a life of Jesus. There's one thing just to say a prayer. When did you get saved? We were having this conversation. I said to somebody, I believe I got saved in my bed as a young boy with my father praying with me before I went to sleep. Because I have that memory. It's come back to me. I can almost picture that moment. But was that a moment when heaven opened and the glory of God came down? No, it wasn't. Because I can equally look back at many, many, many years later, when I was about 20, when my heart, being strangely warm, began to start to desire to walk in the ways of God. 
has some time. So when do I say I got saved? Was it when I actually started to really shape up and do the things that God wanted? See, in the eyes of God, it was a moment that took place. And he's drawing from that time right the way through. It's not for us to announce when salvation comes. It's for us to believe in the one who brings salvation and to pray that salvation may be made available to those that we love so that there may be none who are being put in that line of the goats, but many who are being put in the line of the sheep. And so not only do we have an activity of prayer, but we have an activity of preparation. We need to learn how that we can share the gospel and how we can start to prepare people for a life of walking with Jesus. The turning has been very good, I think, in terms of that, in terms of helping us to have a way of being able to share our faith, but also having a way of learning how that we can start to help people to grow in Jesus. And you know, we'll be doing the turning here again with other churches in Bromley at the end of November. And on the 14th of November, there's another training day. Have you got yourself trained? It's not just about, oh, I'm going to do the turning. Are you prepared for the return of Jesus Christ? And that part of that preparation is we want to be made ready now so that we're learning and we're ready and able so that we can minister whenever it comes. We can minister the truth of Jesus, leading them to salvation so that they themselves may be ready for the Savior's return. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.